Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Michael or Spud, how are you, brother? I'm doing all right. Thanks, Chris. Uh, just getting over a bout of flu, but, you know, um, besides that, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Yourself? Yes, mate. We're wonderful. We're wonderful. I like your, uh, I like your T-shirt. Yeah, Bedford MK thoughts on it. Dropping yeah. you off at the world shitholes since the 1960s. <laughs> are they still... Um, I don't think so, no. Are they still in operation? I I doubt it. Uh, they've got they, they use foreign uh, vehicles now, German vehicles, I think. But uh, <laughs> many a times I've been to the ranges in one of these and they're full of diesel fumes and <laughs> yes, <laughs> grabbing your seat at the back so you can lean out the out the out the out the canvas. <laughs> yes. So, um, Spud, you contacted me. Um, and you mentioned the 50th Missile Regiment Royal Artillery, and I was not aware of it. Um, this yeah. is kind of like a, a Cold War thing. But before we talk about that, you were a junior leader. I was which, indeed. Which I Maybe find sure. fascinating. That's me. 17 years old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've all got our photo, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it all makes us think the same thing. My God, I was I was young then. Yeah, <laughs> fresh faced. So, um, and the recruiting office. Let's start with that because that's an interesting place to be, especially the amount of people we've had on the podcast that have said they went down to the recruiting office to, to join this thing, and then they got talked into that's it joining this unit or regiment instead they'd yeah. come up come up with these reasons wouldn't they why no you're not you're not suitable for that but we've we've got you a job stuck in blankets um yeah <laughs> packing parachutes yeah i mean that was i think that was down to where the shortages were and i think the recruiting uh sergeants were basically giving look you know the infantry's down on men the royal artillery's down on men so you know let's you know persuade any recruits coming through the door to sort of look at that and try and promote that rather than, you know, like I said, I wanted to go into Remy, uh, but um, they told me I was too thick. So, and uh, well, the other Royal Engineers as well. So, so that's uh, the, the Royal Electrical and Mechanical Engineers. Is that right, Remy? Yeah. 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 I wanted to be a mechanic, to be honest. And that was the best way of getting qualified without, you know, I mean, I fork out any money. So, um, and you ended anyway. up, you ended up around nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, I mean, 50 was the only new British nuclear regiment uh, in the British Army. It, it, uh, I was in 5 1 battery. I just want to say hello to all the lads there if they're watching that. The uh, 5 1 battery came from 2 4 missile regiment, which was based in Dortmund. And they basically chopped it down and just made the one regiment, I think, which was just 50. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I say, I mean, it was the only nuclear regiment in the British Army, and I only recently learned that we basically had a 30-minute lifespan. Um, now, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard it from ex-squaddies that have said that the Soviets at the time had special 
uh, units to come and take us out because uh, you know you launch one of them lance missiles they've got a range of 75 miles you could put a nuclear warhead on it and take out an entire tank division I mean it's an area weapon it's so I know they call us drop shots and cloud punches and you know we, we can't hit a target but you know it could be like a mile out of, of, on a target and still get them so uh because another nickname for the regiment besides miserable and tracksuit regiment was miss a mile 50 miss a mile regiment but as my mate dave Ilias says it didn't matter if we missed by a mile uh we'd still get you anyway because we were nuclear so um but yeah that's uh that was uh one of the things and then it was disbanded in 93 so what's after... it like uh, michael what's it like then when you i mean junior leaders uh, for friends at home junior leaders is well it's it is what it says on the tin it's where youngsters who are so keen from school that want to join up that they don't have to wait until they're 18 yeah where you can sign on your own dotted line you go at 16 where your parents have to sign you off which can be yeah. that's been problematic for 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 people over over the years when their mum says nope <laughs> i don't yeah. want you joining the military um yeah. he, where, where did you go and train was there like was it uh, i mean imagine you're young you're very pliable yeah uh which is a euphemism for uh, prone to being bullied and and stuff how 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 was it um well i'm a, I'm a member of uh the facebook page junior leaders regiment Royal artillery and a lot of lads have a lot of good things to say about it but for me personally i found it uh i didn't i didn't really like it if i'm honest we had one guy i'm gonna not gonna mention names but i mean he's basically a right vicious start and um you know they th th there was a lot of bullying that went on and um i mean it still goes on i mean all that stuff at deep cut and things like this but you know it's i think it's intrinsic and systemic within well it was at the time anyway within the british military that you know there was a lot of bullying about i mean they got a lot of lads there that you know a lot of them probably sociopaths or suffering with psychopathy uh you know and um i wasn't like that i'm more sort of empathic in my nature and uh training wise uh you know they used to take us on what was called i mean it's 1977 now so it's a long time ago but i think it was called it wasn't a bft battle fitness test it was more of a uh basically you had your pack on and a sweatshirt and you had to carry a gat and run about five miles or something i mean i used to come back puking up at the end of it you know it was just it that was always on a sunday morning you know we weren't allowed any drink or anything like that so uh but you know it was it, it was what it was uh we had I, I personally i mean we had some good sergeants in, in charge of them one of was one of them was um a guy called Tom Tippett, who was from uh, Two Nine Commando Regiment, who was quite a character, really. And Nigel Randall, who was from Four Seven Field. Uh, Tom Tippett, because we're all teenagers, stood up. He's got start squeezing your zits on, on parade, <laughs> and he weren't allowed to move. And he used to have this saying that uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of if you. You get it wrong or you know if you move out of line i'll rip your arm off and beat you over the head with a soggy end you know it was one of those sort of situations it's very humorous but serious at the same time but uh yeah i mean i've got i've made some good friends there uh uh 
a couple of them came to 50 with me um but i was, I was it was quite a shock to get away from junior leaders to regular army because the, the discipline level sort of went from like 10 down to sort of seven or six and um you could start like enjoying life a bit better you know so mm. um especially when i was posted in baor it was uh i mean i loved it really uh, in germany it was brilliant um, so baor is is that british army on the rhine british army of the rhine yeah so basically uh, british army in 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 germany west germany it was called then yeah well back then it was the cold war wasn't it it was before the it, it was yeah before the wall came down and everything changed yeah i mean we i mean a lot of things were different then uh we used to get issued what's called socksmith cards do you know about them enlighten yeah. us uh well what it was was the the the, the, the ruskies at the time they would have what were called socksmith plates and they come and try and spy on us and if you actually if you were on the autobahn and you saw one of these things they used to have a procedure where you used to lock them in and pull them over uh and then call the you call the monkeys then to come uh you know tech charge find out what they're doing what information they've got because they were basically spying to see how we were uh you know operating and things like that and especially with with 50 being a nuclear regiment you know it would attract quite a bit of attention in that area so uh but you just took it in your stride really it was just one of those things but yeah so we all i've lost it now regrettably but i used to always carry it around with me it's like a red and yellow box with socksmiths across it and it used, it used to sort of give you instructions what to do if you if you actually came across them i won't talk about my service but you know let's go say i've got a friend here called uh john <laughs> part of john's uh service was to protect nuclear missiles it might have been on something that floated it might have been on a base who doesn't really matter but part of uh john's training was you had to watch these videos about how you went went ashore i'll say went ashore because we were you know part of the navy and yeah. you might be sat in a pub and um the guy sat next to you that's being friendly and he's just bought you a beer and he wants to chat it 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 could be eric the red yeah that's, <laughs> that's right the, that's actually yeah. a viking viking name isn't it but <laughs> i know what you're saying yeah yes um we used to have videos you know videos be be aware and loose yeah. lips sink ships and all that that yeah i mean it was the cold war wasn't it it was there was a lot of espionage that went on and uh which is why you know we were instructed uh with with regards to uh the socksmith plates you know if we ever saw them um but yeah there were a lot a lot of espionage uh it was a, it was a different world then it really was a different world from what we're living today and uh some things are better some things are, are worse but you know it was i i i enjoyed my time out there um and it was a good crack. I made a lot of good mates. I'm still mates with them now. I met up a couple of weeks ago at a 5-1 battery reunion. A guy called Alan Goddard organises that every uh, every year. And, uh, you know, we're all getting a bit older. And I'm trying to think, Spud, um, because the wall came down in 89, wasn't it? Yeah. If I remember yeah. rightly. So all the sort of 
the popular culture stuff before them was always sort of um not always but often tinted with the the fact that we could get the air attack warning yeah and um we had four minutes to get under our beds <laughs> as if that would help uh, i mean even frankie yeah. frankie goes to hollywood yeah is it two tribes go to war that, and that's it yeah the video they had was it reagan and yeltsin <laughs> in the boxing ring um uh, gorbachev. Some, gorbachev gorbachev sorry yeah. i knew someone was gonna gonna correct me on that and <laughs> the air attack warning sounds like and then do 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 and and yeah. it, it was it it's just another thing isn't it in our history that just put us under fear exactly i mean the fear was terrible i mean i don't know whether you you remember um there was two films released in the 80s one of them was called threads uh where sheffield was hit by a nuclear warhead absolutely terrifying to be honest with you i mean i, I watched it i was out there and i thought you know gosh it was and then there was another one called when the wind blows i think uh which was a cartoon about again nuclear a nuclear attack and an old couple in a house that was suddenly dying from radiation and it was just terrifying an enemy missile attack has been launched against this country it is estimated that the missiles will arrive in approximately three minutes three minutes. god almighty ducks there's Do only three minutes to go homes. oh yeah i'll just stay indoors I mean, the thought of, you know, something like that kicking off was just awful. Um, and yeah, and it was, it was, there was that constant umbrella of fear over society, uh, you know, that an ICBM had, had been launched and that'd be the end of the world, basically. Like it was a, a cartoon, wasn't it? It was. And John Mills, I think, uh, did the voiceover in that. The, yeah. The it was like this, the snowman, but it was about. Yeah. It was that kind of like set up, but it was about nuclear war. Yes. Yes. So how, how did you, um, what did you actually, how, sorry, explain to us how it works. So you joined junior leaders and is that just like homogenous, you know, generic, you, you join yeah. that and then you go on and join a, a, a regiment. Yeah. Um, you do, you, you do a year's training, uh, and, it, and, and in some circumstances, um, some guys uh joined at 15 that prior to me so they did two years there i think excuse me um mm. then what you do is at the end of your training when you they call you a mustering gunner then and uh you're basically given a list of regiments that need the recruits and uh and you have to i think you had to put three down at a time and i put down um at, at the time i was trained as a field gunner on the 25 pounder uh which uh you know did some live firing on salty range and fired a few squash heads at church churchill tanks on there but uh yeah and i, I think i chose I, I chose uh it was either five heavy regiment uh i think it was three nine it's it, it's over 40 years ago now i can't I think don't worry nine. don't worry just give, give us a flavor yeah three nine regiment and 50 missile and uh you know, I was given 50 missile and that's where I went. So, uh, and all the rest of the lads, they all went off, um, to their various postings. And some of them had to stay back because for instance, uh, you know, the, the, the regiment that they had, um, 
the, the regiment that they had, uh, had, had picked was probably on a campaign at the time, say Northern Ireland or whatever. So they obviously haven't had the training for that. So they had to stay until the regiment came back to wherever they were based, and then they go off to that regiment. Mm. Um, so there was one or two lads that ended up like that. And then, you know, you go on leave, and then next thing you know, you're on a you're on a plane, and you're picked up in a Bedford Fort on a, <laughs> a taken a taken to your regiment uh, from Dusseldorf. I think it was Dusseldorf. Was uh, it the so first I, time you've been abroad. Uh, no, no, I'd been abroad before. Uh, I had a trip from what was called when I was at school from Blackpool to Athens, where we went all the way through Europe. Uh, when it was Yugoslavia then, and uh, we were that, that, that's when that thing with uh, Turkey and Greece kicked off for the Cyprus. I don't know if you remember that, but I was over in Greece at the time. So parents, I was only fourteen or thirteen, and uh, parents were a bit worried about that that we might not be able to get home, but. Um, it didn't. It didn't affect us, but uh, yeah. And so, what what is the actual remit then of 50th Missile Regiment Royal Artillery? Well, you've got you've got your AT&T and you've got your launcher sections and you've got your survey sections. I was in the survey section, and we basically traverse. We do a land survey on a place uh, that the 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 officer, the route that you know, whichever route it was, mm. he'd go out, he put a target peg uh in the ground. And um and in that target peg was a, a nine millimeter like that, you know, with a you see where got a firing mm. pin. And that and what you used to do is sell you used to sell your service gear, service, survey gear over that. And then you bring in like a a high I think it's something like 14 figure grid reference and that's where the launcher would go over that target peg and launch its its missile wherever it had to go uh to you know to take out the enemy so that, that was it you got you'd have you know you'd have a rupert and a driver uh they go off they they'd look where they put the target peg, put a target peg in we'd come along a survey section do a traverse of the land theos lights directors uh pims which was prismatic indicator meridians which used to find true south and then we that data was then computed and given to the launcher sections the a and t sections uh they they used to load onto the launcher they'd have like a crane and things like this i don't know too much about it because i was never involved with that side of it but um, is it um um can you just um well, we're going to have to explain some of these acronyms and stuff here, mate. So uh, I'll ask you in a minute why 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 are officers called Ruperts, which is <laughs> might might sound a bit self-explanatory. It just sounds like an <laughs> officer name, doesn't it, Rupert? But um, um, no, what I'm getting at is so the UK had their nuclear capability, and on a map they'd always show it as things pointing towards Russia, wouldn't they? Yeah, but um, it, the difference with fifty was it was tactical nuclear. It wasn't in, into uh, you know the ICBMs, intercontinental ballistics. Ah, uh, yes. I think at a time was Trident, so that was submarine based. Yes. So that's that. Those were the biggies that used to take out cities and stuff like that. If it ever kicked off, we were there to uh as an as an area weapon the, the lance missile system which was an american system which took over from Odyss john um 
and apparently was I'd never worked with Honest John, so I don't know, but uh but these uh these were tactical weapons and they didn't have to be used as a nuke. They could they could and you could basically take out a tank division, like I've said. Uh which was why we were sort of a highly priced target, really. Um, you know, from the Soviet side of it, if it ever did kick off. Uh, yeah i get it now so you're like the military tactical moving stuff around you know a, a counter capability to whatever russia may or may not be doing yeah. on the ground basically if they if they came uh west into europe yeah um as opposed to the 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 big missiles which were on which was submarine the trident which was submarine based yeah yeah Mm. And uh, and that's what we were there for. We were there for just waiting for the bear to come over, that over and and, and attack. And of course, because we were nuclear, we didn't do what banner. They wouldn't allow us to go to Ireland because this the Americans. I think that they went over. It was, it was before my time. They went over to Ireland, and the Americans kicked off because we were using their systems. And they said, "Listen, you know, basically, if." You know, if it if the bear comes over the line, we don't want all the we want all our tactical nuclear lads in another country. We need them ready all the time. And that's 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 how tense it was. In that, you know, we had to be on uh, you know, we had to be ready to go at the drop of the hat, basically, and off into the what's in Germany in the middle of nowhere. Um and um how so Spud, how is it then? Because ordinarily, when you're a you're a train rank, you can't wait to put your skills into practice, can you? You know, for yeah. for me, for me, my first port of call was Belfast, right? And you didn't want to miss that, yeah. You, know, you didn't. That that was the, you know, that was the yeah. Afghanistan of its day, is what I'm trying to say. You didn't yeah. not like not want to go, but in your case, were the lads kind of fingers crossed that we don't. We don't go into action because if we do, it's going to be the end of end of civilization as we know it. Uh, I would say that, yeah. <laughs> um, that you, I mean, if we were if we were mobilised, then you know you're talking. I don't think there's other artillery regiments that could fire nuclear rounds, but we actually had a, a nuclear warhead that we could fit, uh, which. Uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> if there's any any squaddies out there now listening to this, I can just imagine them all going. I remember I had to do guard duty, protecting the nuclear warheads. They hated it, and you were actually uh, you're actually armed with live ammunition for that um, to to to, uh, to basically guard the nuclear warheads. But uh, yeah, you get a lot of squaddies complaining about that. So, but yeah, I mean, as far as us going into, into action, I think you know once it starts. Basically, the end of the world. Because <laughs> you know, if it escalates from tactical to intercontinental, then, you know, there's nothing left, is there? I mean, everything's gone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like you, you're going on about Belfast and stuff like that. You, you could volunteer to go. Um, and uh, one of my one of my friends from my battery volunteered to go and got blown up out there so uh he's, he was only 19 and he's dead now so uh that was uh, quite a tragic thing but um mm. and that was just after i left actually in 1982 um so but yeah i mean 
towards the end of my three years with him, I was getting pretty bored, to be honest. We weren't going anywhere except, you know, strapped to the webbing on a Hercules with a launcher in front of you and ear defenders on because you can't hit because of the noise. You know, I, I'm sure you've been in a hurt yourself. And they'd fly us all, all the way over to the Outer Hebrides. And, you know, we'd, we'd do live firing from there. Uh, the seas are all clear around there as well. Beautiful seas. And the, the people, the guards on the gate always to speak Gaelic. And it was like, it's like they were singing to each other. You know, it was a real, real experience for me as a young lad. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, it was good stuff. I've, uh, ta- I've taken off in a few hurts. I've never landed in one, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was after this saying, you know, they had, this, uh, they had this bad habit of kicking us out <laughs> when we got up to altitude. I was having to say, you know, you're getting an aeroplane, it takes you from A to B. Jumping out halfway through, I don't see the point. So, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though. Was that on lines, was it? Out of the back? Yes, that was yeah. a st- uh, static line. In- uh, very incredible experience. Was there, w- were you with them when the wall came down? Were you still with that unit, or is this after your time? Yeah, this is after my time. Um, it's, uh, I-, I left. I joined 1578 and left in 81. Mm. So and it, the wall came down in um, 89. And, yeah. Uh, but because of the time when I joined and because the, 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 the equipment that we were using was American, you know, we did used to have quite a lot of Vietnam vets with us, uh, which were just, you know, these guys were really traumatised. Uh, you know, they just... I, mean, I remember once uh, uh, Sergeant, I was... I was with he just he just wander off on his own into the woods talking to himself you know uh i was 17 at the time i didn't know what was going on um and eventually they ended up coming on camp uh at, at northumberland barracks in mandon and you know then there was lots of problems with drugs and stuff like that uh that uh, started to kick off which hadn't been a problem before um and I remember I went to, I can't remember exactly where it was, because again, like it's so long ago. I think it was somewhere like Verl, there was a camp up there. And you go to what was their equivalent of a naffy. And you just went in and I mean, it was just like, it was weed everywhere and drugs. And I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. But I think a lot of it was, a lot of it was a lot of guys that were, because it's only three years after it finished when I joined. So um i think a lot of the guys there were still traumatized from, from the vietnam war so uh and it, it is I, I mean i have heard that you know a lot of them got through it by taking drugs because it was the only way that they could sort of stay on a level and yet when they got out a lot of the guys just totally finished with drugs um you know they, they would take heroin and things like this mm. um but once once they'd left the theater of war um they they basically stopped that but uh obviously not all of them did but um i just remember no, well, it was a it was a big problem wasn't it um service personnel returning to the states and they'd um what had started out as a bit of escapism over there they it become a problem and if you think of the the trauma a lot of people would have been dealing with it would have it would have just compounded it wouldn't it yeah um it, I always I thought it's strange that the, the British Milner didn't go over there, but I mean, somebody mentioned something to do with uh, 
I can't remember his name. Uh, was it Harold? It was a. It was a uh, Labour. Harold Wilson? Uh, no. Harold Har- Har- Wilson, I think yeah. that was it. Yeah, and they said he was sort of because he was quite pally with uh, so uh, you know po- politics in Soviet Union. That that's why the British military were kept out of Vietnam because the like, Australians went, mm. didn't they? Um, and uh, yeah, so. I mean, I'm, you know, I could be wrong on a few of these things, but, you know, I'm just going back to what I remember. Um, we, Spud, we had a uh, chap on a podcast, very, very wonderful gentleman. He was called Alan Cutter. He was um, black ops in Vietnam. So he right. was in he was in naval intelligence. And he's, um, his role over there was all clandestine stuff. And he used to have to recruit teams often with with local uh people and they would you know they they'd go into villages and and gather intel and all this kind of stuff and at one point and alan says this in our podcast alan cutter folks if you want to find it in our in our list or just type in vietnam um he at one point he realized he was gonna have to kill all his team because if he didn't if he didn't take them out they were going to frag him which was a big thing over there right and he it was something like he gathered them together for a meeting if it was in a tent but i'm guessing it was and um yeah he went once they were gathered together he just rolled a grenade in and and that was it he he, he you know oh, he I... took he took them all out and uh it's beyond belief, isn't it? What it is, yeah. Some Gosh. people in this world go through, and and that you you've then got to get home and pick up your life and carry on, like not just as if nothing's happened, but no one else is really interested in your war stories, are they? No, 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 no. Well, you wouldn't yeah. want to talk about stuff like that, would you, to anybody? I mean, it's uh, I've never heard of that, but that's that's tr- that's dreadful. Yeah, they're a friendly old bunch, the Yanks, though, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. They uh, love I mean, they were, love the British forces. Yeah, they they were, and they, they were they were so much better equipped than us. Um, I remember at one particular, my fake, you know, the we it was Boots DMS when I was in, which was basically compressed cardboard. They they're useless, and a lot of the Falklands guys will tell you just how useless they were. You know, they, but once they got wet feet, that was it. Uh, trench foot. But one thing I noticed. Uh, was that the Americans had like a huge sort of overboot that would go over their all their assault boots. Mm. So if they were in a trench or in, anywhere wet, they were they keep the feet dry. And I I, that, I had a bit of a light bulb moment then. Thought, oh, my kit's pretty crap compared to what these guys have got. And uh, yeah, they were much better uh, supplied, I think, than we were. But um, mm. yeah, it was. Uh, at least they're gone now aren't they yes yes we have both when i was in training there was the we called it i think we called it the commando boot i think that's the one that you mentioned and then we had the the, what's it called the direct molded sole i think that's the dms one direct being it was it's attached to the boot by this big thick sort of glue or sealant um and yeah things have come on um come on no end since then and looking when you look back and you see what the guys had to go through in the Falklands standing in trenches up to their knees it 
you you can see that feet is uh, yeah. it's it's more important than yeah. well e- equally as important as to what rounds you're carrying and what ordinance you've got and yet it was it was heavily overlooked in the Falklands. Yes, uh, I, I I mean I'd, I'd I'd only I got out in the September before the March when the Falklands had kicked off, but uh, sort of stories I heard coming back were that. They were that some of some of the uh the British lads were taking the boots off the Argentinians because the ones that were dead, obviously. Um, but they were using their kit because their feet were so bad. Uh I was sort of speak speaking to a, 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 a medic who said that, you know, trench foot put more soldiers in hospital than bullets did. Mm. And um it took the, I think it took the British military a long time to realise just how important it is to keep your feet dry. Uh, I mean, I had a, <laughs> one of my sergeant majors nicked a, I don't know whether you had them, but there was like these green tins of foot powder. And uh, he sort of said, Taylor, where have you got that from? <laughs> I said, well, I was supplied it. So, but he said, give it here. <laughs> he took it off me and I never saw it again. So, uh yeah, uh, uh, we used to call. If I remember rightly, in naval slang, that's called fufu, fufu powder. <laughs> don't don't ask, don't ask me why. Yes, um, Spud. So, moving on from the military stuff, you you've got some experience of uh, the subject of narcissistic abuse, which yeah, which is um, I tell you what, if you look at videos about that on YouTube, it's a it, it's a really popular subject or certainly the the, the gaining an understand of it an yeah. understanding of it is popular how how did this pique your your interest Are you, have you experienced it yourself yeah. yeah i'm four years out of it now and um uh i have to say that it is the worst experience i've ever had in my life to be honest I, it nearly killed me to be honest i i was um I ended up in rehab, uh, you know, drinking out of control. And um, it took a while to find out. I mean, I'm, I'm only now, four years on, sort of getting some semblance of normality in my life. Um, and a lot of that is, is a lot of that is, it's down to a guy called HG Tudor. Um, now, he's an HG Tudor is a narcissistic psychopath, uh, extremely intelligent guy. And he know he runs a YouTube channel called Knowing the Narcissist, and I've personally consulted with him on several occasions over the phone. He keeps his identity secret for obvious reasons, and HG Tudor is a pseudonym. But the because he is one, is he? You know, yeah, he's he's he is a narcissist psychopath, and that's a medical diagnosis that he's had. And his his information is unrivaled. You won't find information anywhere that, that I've that heard I've about. Had. I've heard about this. I'm not sure if it's yeah. this exact chap, but I've heard about people that have the ability to, despite the fact it's a personality disorder, mm. um, you know, sociopathic or, or a, you know, um, some sort of psychopathy, people have the ability to see it for what it is and explain it to other people. That, that, but the, the difference with H.G. Tudor is because he knows what he is, He's an extremely intelligent guy. Uh, 
because he knows what he is. He, he, he can tell you why they behave in such a way. You know, our kind, as he says. And uh, that guy's information just uh, basically just... I don't know what to say, really. I don't know... Well, can we let let let's start with your own experience? So, I'm I'm guessing you were in a relationship, were you, with someone who? It wasn't a relationship as such. It was. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to mention any names. Um, no, 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 no problem. Um, but um, uh, and, and the one that, the the one that I was dealing with was it was more of a, a work based thing. Uh, they were, um, they uh, uh, what HG Tudor would call. A middle mid-range somatic type B. Mm. Uh, you've got certain categories of narcissists. You've got your lessers, your mid-rangers, your graters. Uh, HG Tudor calls himself an ultra. Uh, but anyway, mm. with the lessers, these are the people that bulldoze the way through life, you know, and have very sort of uh, sort of outgoing type of behaviours, very braggarts and, and things like this. And basically, just like I say, they just demolish their way through life. Uh, again, you've got upper lesser type A and B in that category. And normally you'll find the upper lessers are quite successful in business because of their... The, the, the main thing with narcissism is the lack of empathy. I mean, this whole thing that we're going through in the world right now is not. It's, it's basically narcissistic. It's all about control and there's no empathy for, you know, for people. Um, then you get the mid-rangers, which are, you see, people go, oh, my, my narcissist was a covert narcissist, or mine was, uh, you know, an outgoing, I can't remember the word for it now. There's no such thing as a covert narcissist. It's, narcissists are categorised into the three schools with certain cadres. And um, all narcissists have malign behaviours. They have covert behaviours. Uh, they have, you know, sort of, so I can't remember the word. It's really frustrating, you know. Uh, where they're, 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 you know, they're braggarts. They're, you know, I'm brilliant and I do this. And um, again, within those, with the mid-ranger I was dealing with, uh, she was um, a mid-range, middle mid-range somatic type B. And the type Bs are crybabies. They're basically, it's everybody else's fault and they're always bursting into tears and you know when i described my situation to hg tudor i mean the, the information came back which is so bang on you know i mean I, just, I was i was astounded at how accurate it was and with his help i've managed to uh arm myself i have a t-shirt actually another one which says weaponized empath courtesy of, of hg tudor and you know i've got a art detector going on all the time and as soon as I see it, I disengage and move on. It's one of the most dangerous situations you can get yourself in. Um, it, 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 the, the amount of damage that was done by them, you, you end up in a place of codependency. Uh, you, you become trauma-bonded, which is uh, like Stockholm Syndrome. And you basically lose your, your, your sense of self. Um your sense of identity of who you are, you become cognitive, cognitively dissonant. So your belief systems are attacked and you can, you sort of, you can't understand why you're thinking that way, but it's just such a dreadful experience to go through. And the, the cycle of narcissistic abuse, so narcissistic abuse is validation, 
or love bombing, as some people call it, and the romantic side of it. Uh, so you get the validation, then you get the uh, devaluation, where you are, they start to devalue who you are, and then you get what's called the discard or the disengagement, uh, where they basically they just throw you away like a piece of shit. Uh, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and then normally they come back and hoover you back in again. It's all about the the, the, the form things that narcissists want, which is fuel, uh, control, uh, tertiary benefits, and um, what's the other one? Uh, I can't think of it. But these these are the four prime aims of of what narcissists want, and two of the strongest ones, obviously. Uh, oh, character traits. Um, Mm. that's it so you've got you've got fuel control character traits tertiary benefits tertiary benefits are you provide them with a home or a car or whatever and uh the character traits are they they take part of your empathic nature and when you see a narcissist what you're seeing is a person that's covered in mirrored shards of all the people they've abused and each of those mirrored shards is reflected back at you uh, as a character trait which they've picked up and uh, that's used against you to draw you in and once they got the control over you after the validation stage then they um that's when the, you know that the, the, the real abuse starts to kick in and it's a very deep subject but mm-hmm. if anybody uh is dealing with it i would strongly recommend hg2 to anybody uh because his, his, his knowledge is unrivaled um, without compromising your, your, yourself, Spud, or anyone else, what, how, what, can, can you give us an example of how this started and what sort of stuff you were subjected to? Because I think if people out there can hear it, they might go, oh, do you know what? I'm actually going through a similar thing myself, and it, it's incredibly damaging. Um, I think the gaslighting aspect yeah. is... Uh, uh, something we all need to be to to be aware of but can you you know give us an idea how i'm I'm just thinking the people at home might not have any clue what 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 a narcissist is why it's important to to be able to recognize this personality disorder and the damage it can inflict yeah um uh, well you get the red flags where for instance um you are validated and put on a pedestal and a red flag is uh let's say for instance in uh let's say it's a romantic setting uh what you'll get is you'll go out for a night and then you'll get hundreds of texts the next day oh it's wonderful when can we do this again i thought you were wonderful basically that's not normal really um so some of the signs that you're dealing with narcissism is one of the most used ones is the silent treatments where they basically just cut you off and don't talk to you that you could send them uh, a text and they'll just ignore it and what they're doing is is that's like they're, they're establishing control over you um and it puts you in a, in a, in a place especially if you've got empathic nature because uh, empaths are in a way addicted to narcissists narcissists are addicted to empaths because empaths are their favorite food basically is the only way i can put it um normal people that uh you know it doesn't normally happen with so 
the thing to look out for is that incredible validation at the beginning, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's uh, in, a, in um, a romantic setting, or sometimes you grow up with it. Um, you know, uh, my own father is is in that category. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because he's not so good now. But, um, hmm. And then once once you're drawn in, then you start get you start. That's when the abusive behaviour starts. Now that abuse is is the devaluation. Let's just say, for instance, uh, as an example, um, one example I know of is that. Uh, you know, she would say, oh, she say to her husband who's losing his hair, I was like, oh, didn't realise he was, he'd lost that much hair. You know, it's a devaluation of who he is. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's snidey, covert hmm. patterns of behaviour like that. The girl says, no matter say to you, bit of weight on recently, haven't you? And, um, it, again, it's, it's attacking your self-esteem. So, and this is coming after a, a period of, um of great validation where you you know they treat you like you're the bee's knees and then the de devaluation starts and then uh you know silent treatments they won't speak to you for you know weeks on end and then suddenly they'll come back and start talking to you again and uh i mean in my in my particular situation i was just basically used because they wanted to get to somebody else and I was his, his best friend and I was used in that situation to get information which I see now but I didn't see at the time mm. uh and then you know they go into what's called a narcissistic rage uh if you win them uh where you just cast aside like a piece of garbage and it's like you, in, as HG Tudor says you basically deleted and you're left with all this trauma uh of um of i mean they get to you at a level that destroys who you are and this is why it's it's so bad when people suffer it uh it's uh it, it, it's dreadful and so all they saw into you what is a thing called ever presence um so let's just say i mean some examples from hg says you know He'd have a, a favourite song with his girlfriend, or, and he'd always wear this scent, or he'd always sit in this chair here. And so, once they're gone, and they're gone, and they, there's no, suddenly you're left with it. You smell it, and it brings back all this memory and trauma. Um, and you look at the chair, and you go, oh, and it's like all the good things that they sowed into your life, which you thought were good at the time. They're, they're, they're ever present around you, which is why you'd have to go uh, through a process called, I, I, well, HG calls it exorcism. I bought his book on it. And you get rid of everything, everything, photographs, any gifts they give you, just get rid of the lot, change the furniture, change the wallpaper, and just get rid of it because it's been purposely done to keep you softened, to, um, to draw you back in, in a hoover. And because uh, they, they always come back at some point, it might be 20 years down the line. It could be two weeks. I mean, I've never heard from mine or since. Oh, so it's, it's coming up to four years, thankfully. Mm. I don't want to hear from them. Um, um, so, yeah, 
that there's all I would say is if, if people are curious about it is to watch HG Tudor's videos because they will tell you exactly what's going on and you will be able to find out for yourself he does he does uh what's called narc detectors where you write in about what's going on with who you believe to be a narcissist and he will tell you uh obviously you have to pay for it but he will tell you whether or not you are dealing with, with somebody that's a narcissist and he'll categorize them for you because the lessers and the mid-rangers are unaware of what they are the, the greater narcissists are calculating they know that they're narcissists and they calculate everything whereas the lessers and the mid-rangers uh do everything from an unconscious level and uh it's like they're uh feeding off your power is it is it, it, yeah. it, it in very uh friends at home i always feel a bit bad talking about this sort of thing in with respect to the fact that it's a personality disorder it, and the thing is it so as such as a mental health condition yeah and whereas if uh well, i mean we're getting to a point in society now where we're starting to realize when people battle addiction like like myself except it it it's it's a mental health condition it's something that we're dealing with and very often it's out of our hands because the psychological program is so strong through life experience through learned experience etc cetera, etc cetera. very often it's almost impossible just to bloody say no to, and people people are getting that and in that situation even though you still see disgusting language towards people uh that, that have battled things like addiction you know one of my bugbears I, I i fucking hate the word clean you know yeah it's just it's so outdated and people use it as you know clean should be the new n-word right because no one's got a right to refer to anyone as being dirty essentially and certainly not for a for, for for a mental health condition you can kind of explain this sort of stuff to people and even if they're you know a bit a bit bullshit or whatever they they kind of can get their heads around it and it's the same thing with narcissists is 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 that whichever way at the end of the day this is still a person that is i wouldn't say suffering because they don't seem to suffer but they are experiencing a mental health condition it's it's it is a, a and cluster b, cluster yeah, b disorder. and but the thing is because they've created such damage in other people with yeah. that with with this manipulative schema you know this mind frame and they hurt people so badly yeah that it really has become a kind of thing to refer to them as them and they and they will do and do and i i get it i mean spud don't get me wrong i i'm not trying to in any way pull the rug out from under people's feet who've been through this because i i've kind of been through it a bit but i'm a bit bloody minded and when people fuck with me i just i that's it sorry you've had your chat you get it a lot in um as a podcast though so you see comments and you just see people gaslighting you and i'm an old bastard now so i just see it for what it is and and 
You know, yeah. I, I just I, I feel for that. I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. It is. Yeah, it's um, becoming more and more prevalent. It. it you, you, what you've got to remember, though, Chris, in some of these situations is they they're aware of the abuse that they're doing. Mm. And I mean, one of the worst things I think about it is what's called, if you look at the fuel, is they know that you're, once they've, once they've discarded you, they know that you're suffering and it gives them fuel. Mm. Or, or some people call it supply, which is not really the right word. But, and they get what's called thought fuel. On the, they think that person's really suffering now. And they know that you're suffering. And it, give, it, it it makes them feel important because as a narcissist, they're dead inside. There's nothing in there except this creature that's crawling around within this vacuous void that's within them where there's no identity, which is why they have to get character traits from people. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no hero, right? I just, I did, I did be time in the army and all that. I didn't see any action as anything or anything like that. But one thing that narcissists do and I'll get to why I've mentioned just that then, is um, is they create a situation within you which is called CPTSD, and it's complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And what, what happens is, it, because you're so emotionally shattered and your sense of self is shattered, this is where you see uh, you, you, you start getting substance abuse. And with me, it was alcohol. And... Uh, it was the only way I could get through it because I didn't understand what was going on. Mm. And I was at Catrick Garrison um, in the summer of 2020. And I got a flashback to, I don't know, 1979, something like that. And I got all those feelings back of when I was 18. I thought, and then it went. And I thought, well, what's that about? I thought, I thought it was strange at the time. But the mm. next time I went, I actually had. And I, I've not suffered with, you know, any sort of serious trauma when I was in the army, but I, I had an actual PTSD event. Some people may say it's it was just a panic attack, but why I, I say that wasn't was because I went back in time 40 years and I was actually back in 1978. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And I was, I, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't talk. And I just collapsed. And what I found out later is is that CPTSD triggers PTSD events in your life. And I was just sort of thrown back 40 years to something that happened that I didn't particularly like. But the, the, the fact of the matter was that it was, it, it's like it stepped into a time machine and gone back four years. And I'm like, and everything was around me was 40 years old. And I, I, I just, and like I said, I just couldn't talk, swallow, I couldn't walk. I just bang on the floor, you know. And I, I've never experienced that, and I've been out forty years, you know. Um, I don't know what it what it was. It might not have been PTSD. I don't know because, like I say, I mean, I'm no hero. I've not been, you know, in the front line in Afghanistan or Iraq or anything. So, but what I'm saying, what I'm trying to do is, he's trying to link that narcissism can once once CPTSD gets inside mm -hmm. you. Uh, which stands for complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a, 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 a it's like a, a whole sort of panorama of micro traumas that you've been, you've gone through while you've been suffering for four years, like I was. But um, but it triggers stuff inside you that you didn't like, 
and that's what happened to me anyway and uh thankfully i've never uh i, I went to i went to the doctors and they, they i said i i just haven't got a clue what's happened to me and um they basically they said well are you ex-military i said yeah so, so they fast-tracked me through uh to uh started doing all this flipping emdr stuff and whatever and uh you know i started to get better but the best thing you can do really if you want to get over it is learn about it learn it and learn it from the best which in my opinion is hg tudor you can, you can go all there's a lot of rubbish out there uh uh overt was the word i was after before people go oh he's an overt narcissist well no he isn't he's probably a lesser narcissist with overt behaviors you know mm. uh, and oh he's a malignant narcissist well no there's no such thing all narcissists have malign behaviors and you know that's it's i don't know why life the universe whatever you want to put it uh, put me through that situation but boy have i learned some big lessons through it and um it ain't happening again i'll tell you that for sure so. yes spud i get it I get it. I should just point out there because this is one of the things I, I try to highlight a lot is we shouldn't just think that that PTSD is something that military people experience having been in, for example, combat. It's yeah. way, way more often linked to childhood trauma. Yeah. Uh, which can then be compounded by your experiences in 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 the military. Mm. Um and of course, there's no research done in this area because the uh, what I call the psychopaths that control everything, mm -hmm. they don't want people to look into this area because they want fuel for their, you know, they want cannon fodder for their war machine. They don't yeah. want to look at the fact that a lot of people that join the military come from quite damaged backgrounds, you know, that they found a home for themselves in the military or they was escaping you know i mean i i when i joined the marines i was living in my car right wow and, you know i was 17 years old and living in a renault 12. um that's right. that that was my second experience of being my first experience was i was 15 in my school uniform <laughs> sleeping in a phone box you know or at least it, wow. at least at least for one one night and you know it'd be so easy to, for me to say yeah it's all like what happened to me in the military and do it. but the truth was we saw some serious stuff we certainly did in northern ireland and it i'll be honest uh, without trying to sound like a psycho myself i didn't bat an eyelid spud right because no disrespect we was all grown people and we signed on the dotted line and we knew yeah. that we we knew we could lose people we knew people could get hurt that's i can deal with that right yeah the difference is as an adult you have the ability to rationalize things and and compartmentalize and put things in their place and make sense of it you know using uh, adult rationale when you're a toddler and you go through horrendous experiences uh i'm not talking about just me now but you know the yeah wide what wide range could be mental abuse could be physical abuse could be sexual abuse mm. the thing is as a toddler we don't have the ability to make sense of it because we don't have the cognition hmm. and so if say let's just take you know some let's just take an example so say uh you know a, a, an an adult is beating up on a child and knocking them senseless 
what the child does is they can't make sense of it. So they just think, oh, it must be something about me. I, I must be a, like a bad person or I'm, I'm, I'm doing something wrong again, dad, aren't I? You know, or, or it might be a teacher at school. Sorry, sir. And the toddler, that gets buried then. And yeah. it gets buried in a place where you you never can then make sense. I mean, you 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 can later on make sense of it, but it's still there. It's a very deep, deep, deep programming. Yes, but um, not sorry, not wanting to go. I, I just feel duty bound to say this because a part of the ruling elite, you know, these psychos, whoever they are, is they've they've part of their remit is to get people to hero worship soldiers. And they very cleverly got this PTSD thing down to like, oh, you must have been a tough guy in a battle and you've seen things that people should never see. And that 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 can be true. But like I say, as an adult in battle, it's not nice. But you have an adult rationality to come and make sense that you don't have that with childhood trauma. And this is just something that's never discussed in academic terms and it needs to be you know it needs to be we need to look at what what why is it a significant percentage of people that join the military have had these adverse childhood experiences um but uh putting that to one side um what was i going to say i this is the feeling i get is in the olden days in the sort of medieval period or where we where we lived in communities i mean real communities not not what we live in now where you you know you can live next door to a next door neighbor for 20 years and never say hello mm -hmm. no yeah but in the olden days when you lived in that tight-knit community say in a village in the middle of a forest like the old robin hood kind of times or whatever i think when people suffered this narcissistic trait, they would be called out as being witches. Yeah. Or the male counterpart. I don't know if that's a wizard or what, what you know, and because people would realize that these individuals are using like a magic, mm. you know, they cast in a spell over other people. And back then you'd be uh, banished from the village. So it's like, oi, You'd either be, you know, maybe you'd be earned at the stake, <laughs> right? Or you'd be, right, yeah. right, pack your bags, off you go. A little yeah. bit like anyone who's seen the film Highlander when he recovers from his wounds and no one can believe it. So they say, oi, banish him, banish him. Yeah. The 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 thing we've got now, Spud, and I think you look, you'll relate to this is because we don't live in that village anymore. We live in like a global village with a lot of stuff done online or people's only interaction with you is like in the workplace. I think it's allowed this mental health disorder to flourish. Yeah. And it's allowed people to get into positions of power, uh, protected by all the kind of health and safety stuff. And, you know, you can't bully people. You can't say this to your but Whoa, hang on. How many bosses are actually probably real narcissists? And, mm. you know, and, and, and I was subject to one. Um, I, it had to be pointed out to me. I didn't realize he went, Chris, you know, he was next on your radar, mate. He, what he was doing with me was gaslighting me and making me like the hero of the workplace. Right. Uh, in order to then 
well, there's lots of things then, isn't there? There's lots of implications there that you can then put other people down because it's like, well, look at what Chris is doing and da-da-da-da-da. Um, but, yeah, I really do think that the modern workplace is is a it, – it allows people with personality disorders to flourish Yeah, because there's no challenge to them. They're, you know – they sneak their way up through the ladder by being manipulative and be going behind people's backs and playing people off and, you know, smiling to your face when like literally they've just gone and put a report in about you to the, <laughs> to the, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then they, when they get on the rungs of the ladder, then they get the power and then it becomes a different thing because people below them are then afraid to criticize because like, that's my boss. Yeah. You know, can I really be saying that, that my boss is a fucking psychopath or that, yeah. you know, I really feel uncomfortable in their presence and, you know, they make me feel, I don't know, maybe if you're a woman, you've got this creepy guy that just doesn't make, don't make you feel. And I, I, I think, I think this is what we're seeing. I, th I think this is why we're seeing this trait, uh, allowed to flourish spud. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I've, I've, I've mentioned in lots of scenarios where I, I say that there is a rise in narcissism across the whole world. And we're seeing it in, you know, the current situation that we're in, where there is this race for control to control people uh, and whole nations. And, um, you know, it's, it is a worrying trend. And there's a great evil over the whole planet right now and it's and it is basically narcissism and uh, this is why you're seeing so many people talking about it and you know trying to sort of make some sort of sense of it mm. uh but if you think about the four prime aims which is control fuel character traits and tertiary benefits if you think about those four things look at some of the agendas that are going off right now you know cbdc's I mean that's control. Yes, but sorry, friends, we just took a little break there. Um, yeah, that brings us on nicely to the last uh, two years of debacle, or two and a half years now. Yeah. Um, because when you start to look at world leaders, and I'm just going to call a few out now, or so-called world, or you, you've got the likes there of, uh, is it Jacinda Ardern? Oh gosh, yeah, uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand. Uh, obviously, we got our uh, classic Tony Blair, uh, Matt Hancock now, who's been a lot in the press recently. They call him uh, Adelat, Medazalan <laughs> Matt. I'm picking my words yeah. carefully here. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking out my own words. Um, and what you see when you understand it is you're seeing what we talked about. You're seeing this these whether whether they're narcissistic traits or whether they're just uh, basic psychopathic traits you yeah. you're seeing these individuals that are playing people and it 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 might not even be as deep as that it, it, you know when i look at say the prime minister of new zealand what i'm seeing there is somebody who's been so lacking in in love and self-love and self-esteem etc etc through through you know birthright and and early interactions and 
and beyond they suddenly get in this position where they find themselves in the limelight and they fucking love it yeah and they is gonna do anything to stay there you put a paper in front of them they're gonna sign their name they are gonna put that you know the if the world economic forum wants them to come and oh my gosh look look how important i am now and and uh it's crazy we're in a situation where where our leaders that back in the day going back to when we lived in tribes and and the like or or you know indigenous americans it your leader was there to protect you to do what was best for you to fight for your rights and he would listen to every member of the tribe and and take all those viewpoints on board before making a decision that ultimately was in the best interests of of everyone's well-being and 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 everyone's future and now we see this situation where people are ascribed to this this new world order this crazy cult um which puts them in these positions and it will hold them in these positions as long as they keep playing the game and it will give them the badges and the trinkets and the OBEs and the this and the that and and these individuals thrive on it they are literally wallowing in their own self-glory as opposed to the reality which is no you're just screwing everyone over um does this tie in with what what we're saying spud do you think yeah absolutely um i think it's as more so with western society what we've done is we've detached ourselves from uh what life should be like where you know we we live in communities we grow our own food we interact with with, with one another uh and trade with one another what's happened is, is that's been slowly pushed away and we've become more state dependent um and this has been done on purpose which is why uh some of the things that really uh worry the wf is things like uh homesteads as the americans call it where a family is self-sufficient it 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 grows its own fruit and veg it raises its own livestock for meat and things like this if you that way out you want to eat meat i you know i do i'm not a vegetarian <laughs> and you you live in a in a commune and it's how life should be but what's happening is we've surrendered that through um you know through all sorts of processes like school and other things and we've basically lost our autonomy which is uh why i've personally taken steps to uh detach from um from the dependency on the state um uh obviously you know we've got spiraling inflation and things like this um any fiat currencies that you've got are you know just devaluing every single day and i would say to people you know if you've got savings get it out of the banks and put it into precious metals and you you know there's lots of different ways where you can buy precious metals where they keep and store it for you and that belongs to you or uh there's lots of different ways you can go about it but you what you need to do is just get out of this system because eventually you know they're trying to phase cash out uh which is why i always encourage people to pay cash for everything and there are some businesses that will you know say cash only no card and you know if it's a card only 
then boycott that business. Uh, don't use self-serving, um, self-serving, self-checkouts at Tesco because you're putting people out of work for a start and it's card only. Join the queue and pay cash. Uh, but yeah, we've lost, um, we've lost our sense. I mean, this country in medieval times, you know, there was villages and you would interact with other villages. Uh, still got that kind of structure in Norfolk. If you, it's, it's virtually unchanged since medieval times, but you've got villages where, uh, you know, people looked after each other and, um, and took care of people's needs. And we've lost all that, you know, it's like you said earlier, you know, you could live next door to a neighbor and not talk to him for 20 years. Um, it, it's madness. And it's all part of, you know, this big, you know, uh, to lock everybody down and control everybody uh, and bring us into, a, you know, a controlled CCP state, basically. Facial recognition, you can't, you know, you can't spend that money out five miles outside an area of where you live, you know, controlled car, electric cars, you know, so it switches off once you go outside a certain area. You know, it's just, it's madness. I mean, what's happening in Oxford? You know, they put uh, you aware of Oxford, what they're doing there. Is this where they ban people from driving to the next county or something? Yeah. Yeah. They've split the city. I think it's into four zones and you're not allowed out uh, of these zones. And you get fined if you if you go out of these zones. And it's just total madness. I appreciate they have tra- they have the, you know, they have traffic problems, but that's not the way to go about it. There's a different agenda behind it, in my opinion. Spud, let's talk about that because it's an important thing. You know, veterans make up a big percentage of our society. Uh, I heard a figure saying there's six million veterans in 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 the UK. I'm 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 not sure if that includes like you know blue light services or or whatever. But re- regardless, it's still a big figure. And when you think that we all swore an oath. That, okay, I know it was about the Queen and the royal family and all this sort of stuff, but essentially, what were we really swear? We were swearing to the fact that we was going to be the good guys, weren't we? And we were going to yeah. defend defend against evil. Yeah. Um, we were going to protect the kids at all costs. Yeah. And yet what we've seen through this last two and a half years, which it, it's – Gosh, it must be hard to go through it and not see some red flag that makes you go, ah, hang on here, something's not yeah. quite. So my, my, I'm, I'm interested to know, like, what was it that woke you up to not necessarily the last couple of years, but what I mean, at what point in your life did you think, hang on a sec, this narrative ain't right? Um no. Yeah. Uh, right. I, it, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to, because I don't want to bring any religion into this, right? But uh, I have, a, I have a, let's just say I have a belief system. And um, without wanting to go into, you know, all the ins and outs of that, I've, I've seen this coming for decades, except I didn't think it had happened in my lifetime, but it has. Um, now, if you, read uh revelation 13 uh it's a, it, I, I think i said it before to you that uh, you know all men great and small rich and poor will not be able to buy or sell 
unless they have the mark. We already know that they have got laser imprinted tattoos, you know, on the back of your hand or your forehead or whatever. And without that mark, you won't be able to buy or sell. So I've seen this coming for a long time. And um, it's just that it's it's been below the radar. And like I said, I didn't think it would come in my lifetime. But what we're seeing now is what's called, what I would call, the rise of the beast system. And this is this, this world we're living in right now is paving the way for it's paving the way for Antichrist. It's the only way I can put it. I can't, I, I can't not deny. I can't, you know. It, this is how I see life. I'm not saying, you know, this is how it is. I'm not trying to put my belief systems into anybody, but this is how I see it. Uh, I just feel that the days we're living in are the last days that have been spoken about throughout the New Testament, and. Um, this, uh, you know, Mr. Schwab's uh, agenda is all about bringing in, uh, you know, this. Well, it's dark, mate, it's, isn't it? it, it well, it's it, evil. It, it's pure it, evil. You know, it's a it's a very dark agenda. Even if if you don't want to bring religion into it, it's a dark yeah. agenda. Yeah. Um, there's so many red flags. The fact that they completely buy into the last two years without any research or question shows you that they're not interested in rationality or science except they 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 go in for this one um yeah. well, i think you... they've been i think what happened when, when donald trump was elected because uh i'm not saying you know i'm not saying donald trump's right but hillary clinton should have won that election and she paid millions to the dominion machines to make sure that she won and it was such a shock when Trump won, and I think what happened is it just tipped the scale, and what is it? What it's done is it's made the deep state cabal. They have now had to enforce and quicken their agenda, which you know is people are waking up to it. Uh, but I think it was kind of a tripping point because all this should have been coming in slowly, slowly, slowly. You know, um, you know, so people don't notice. But the trouble is, they've had their agenda pushed forward, where they've got to bring it in and bring it in as fast as they can. Um, you know, within the next, what we're looking at now, probably four years, you can expect to see, all in my opinion, but you can expect to see tens of million people gone that shouldn't have gone due, due to certain procedures. Um, and... It's, like I said earlier, there's a great evil over the entire world and there's nowhere to run to. There's no way you can go and get asylum, you know, so you've got to fight it on your own doorstep. And my advice in this respect is to become autonomous. Uh, there's lots of ways you can do that. Um, unfortunately, I'm under non-disclosure agreements where I can't talk about it. Uh, but if you do some research into becoming autonomous um you can detach yourself from government and from state mm. um a good guy to listen to is a guy called david alderman as well who's the people's lawyer uk there's one in america as well called the people's lawyer but for people in britain uh he will he, he will take you through certain procedures there's only one law and it's do no harm everything else mm. is bullshit it's acts acts of parliament played out by actors so you get that speeding ticket that comes through your front door. You know, you're right in the bottom 
right hand corner at 45 degrees in blue ink and you basically say uh you know offer to contract declined uh respectfully declined and you send it back because everything we live in is maritime law it's law of the sea and it's been purposely done this way through the phoenicians years ago and um during the after the fire of 1666 in uh in london uh people were declared dead lost at sea if they couldn't find them within uh seven years mm-hmm. and that happens that happens to us as once well, basically i've mentioned i don't know what i'm allowed to mention here so um but basically you're dead lost at sea and the schooling system teachers standing over here where's your homework and you're going oh sorry sir you know so next thing you know you're, you're getting that ingrained into your system so that when the copper comes in and starts saying you know do you understand what i'm telling you and you're under arrest you jump yeah okay where it's legalese for do you stand under my authority and you go no i don't understand there's nothing unless you've hurt somebody stolen from them caused a, dis- a, 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 disturb- a breach of the peace uh, gbh murder whatever that i mean that's that comes under common law you'll notice that police uh will charge you under common law for murder but they're going to charge you for speeding it's under the highways act 1945 or whatever it is you know do you understand no i don't understand i don't work i don't comply i can i don't consent to it this is stuff that you you've got to look and look into research so does you it know. does it work though spud because we saw a lot of this during the the last couple of years we saw people ending up in court and let's just say they might have been charged with attending a protest yeah and they'd probably put it under what you know breach of the peace or something wouldn't they and you saw people putting up the common law defense yeah and there was one judge that that said i'm going to paraphrase here now because i'm sure he didn't swear but oh for fuck's sake i've got another one in front of me what is this bullshit no you know and they they ride roughshod over your common common law um yeah i mean here's some stuff i can share with you okay first of all you can see that it's that shiny far away from it mm. common law chart right record common law court, reg- sorry. Not, yeah record not register because register is surrendering your sovereignty regis mm. record your birth with the common law court okay then get yourself one of these which is i don't know you can see that it's common law court of great britain and basically you are you're identifying as a living man or woman flesh blood and spirit if you're in court all our court systems here are are satanic which is why everybody wears black if you're as long as you're not up for murder or thieving or causing people harm and a magistrate says to you my clarence taylor what you do is you respond back and you say well are you addressing the corporation or the living man of flesh blood and spirit and they've no they, they can't do it unless you give them joinder now with that approach to the court they can they can swear all they want and if they do drag you out and take you against your will that's actually assault and kidnapping and 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 battery and imprisonment 
false imprisonment. Um, but that's the best way to kick up to, to start the, the they've got they've got they've got it in front of them. It's all in block capitals, you know, because uh, that's the way it works. And you, you know, you go, are you, you know, oh, my name Christopher Thrall. Well, are you addressing the corporation? Or are you addressing the living man of flesh, blood, and spirit? And you're quite entitled to say that. One woman in Canada, uh, which I uh, learned about, was where she just kept saying, you're not addressing me properly. And the, the judge in that instance was going, well, are you X, Y, and Z? And she said, you're not addressing me properly. And eventually he just threw it out because he couldn't get past the fact that he was dealing. The courts are a corporation. And they all can they can only deal with you as a corporation, which is where you know all this birth certificate stuff comes in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm not saying that it, it'll work in every instance, but you're quite within your rights to do that, especially if you've only been charged with an act of parliament or something or something stupid. As long as you're not you're not caused any harm, you can say that you're addressing the corporation, which is your birth certificate, which is a piece of paper. Which is traded all over the world, and you're worth a fortune, uh, and you can get it back. By the way, um, your birthright trust I'm talking about, and uh, and they can they can ignore it, but what they're doing is illegal. And you know, there's I've, I've lost I've lost the train of thought. I've, been, I've gone off on one here because I no, well, it's really, a, passionate, it, <laughs> really passionate about it, so yeah but it's it's quite a deep subject and uh i've certainly looked into it i've been on a, a common law training um there seems to be a bit of i think it's fair to say disjointedness in the whole approach to it but the whole freedom movement is disjointed so many people have got various different ideas of what's going on how to approach it etc etc um do you think the do you think the controllers have overplayed their hand then by pushing because it's it's backfired spectacularly but it's backfired for people like you and me spud because we're aware of alternative media and we don't go on the mainstream and we get our information from you know people that that wish us well as opposed to people that wish us harm but it should be remembered that if we was to have this conversation, say, I don't know, I'm thinking of a certain person, let's just call him John. He'd, he'd like, would have no clue what we were talking about. He would have no, he watches his songs of praise on a Sunday religiously. And, 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 and he does his ironing and following that there's a, wonderful bbc nature docu oh it's oh like how could these people do you any harm look at it look 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 there and and he goes to vote every year because it's so very important to him and and of course he goes for the old scooby dooby when when the doctors you know right. send send yeah. him a text he like literally and and in one case, we had a chat with John and we we explained to him, look, you're, you're getting on a bit. You shouldn't really be putting shit into your body. You know, you, you're going to like you're on a good wicket here. Why? Why do you want to? And you think you're making a breakthrough there and you think you're 
John understands you. And and then what happens is you have a chat with John the next day. So like, yeah, I just been to the been to my GPs. Yeah, I had the old you know the fee. It's it's all good for you, isn't it? You know you got to get your your one, your two, your three, and a couple of the old you know rooster roonies. You 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 you've got to and what i'm what i'm saying is that like i'm not bothered about trying to convert john right yeah you know, john's a sinking ship like like so many people yeah the but the point i'm i'm highlighting spud is how these controllers they work on the masses don't they that sadly yeah. even though that the the plan has spectacularly backfired this last couple of years this still they work on the majority that do watch their mainstream media news that do believe every single word of it that that you know if you start talking about i don't know things like azalan and 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 stuff that went on in Kent, they just got no no idea about that because they they don't watch alternative stuff like you and i do and all the yeah. wonderful wonderful people who i know are watching now they've only got their bbc um and I'm not really going anywhere with this. I'm I'm just I'm just highlighting the point that is incredulous to people like you and I and and like I say the vast majority I'm sure of people watching the incredulousness that they're still pushing forward with this agenda. It's yeah. a monkey old baloney this week. It's a chicken one this uh, yeah. it it's are they going to continue forward because they've got that mass consensus? Um, well, I've always said this. I am utterly astounded at the gullibility of the, the general populace. Almost, I got, you know, my next door neighbours over here, you know, standing out banging plates, you know, not strouting gas, gas, gas. By the way, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, they're going, they're just clapping and woo. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? I'll see it for the right that it is. You're being had. And I'm astounded at the gullibility of it. You know, I mean, let's just oh I can't no, we can't go there because it'll you get you'll get zapped by YouTube. But you know, certain things disappear that you know when when we you know we look at the last sort of two and a half years we've gone through, certain things that happen every year suddenly go, you know. Illness wise, I mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and uh, it, well, you know, and the ONS says, well, it's this, that, the other, uh, and it's all down to the Scooby Doo, as <laughs> you call it. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, I say to people, just scratch a little scratch on the top and just peel off that layer mm. and look, and it and it's wide open in front of you. You don't have to dig that deep to find out about what's going on. But I don't think people want to know, and I understand that because it's it is it's pretty terrifying what's coming if it, if they get their own way, which I don't think they will personally. I think there's uh, there's enough people like you and me that are kicking back at this, and people are waking up. You know, they're suddenly seeing, you know, but Uncle John was five until then, you know. Yes. Um, yes and, uh, yeah you know and uh it's i mean look at the fact that we can't even openly talk about it it's just you know it's ridiculous isn't it censorship it just makes me angry i can go off on one i'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> listen spud 
you said enough mate because it's been an absolutely wonderful chat thank you and thank i think we you know uh, i think these chats help people out there that are kind of like on the fringe or, or perhaps like wallowing in the marshland realizing that and and our message to them and i know i speak for both of us here is like come on veterans like you yeah. swore an oath okay yeah our our forebears gave their lives for our freedom yeah you know a huge sacrifice is not and 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 not just talking the military here but the civilians like during like the blitz etc 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 and and it's okay it's okay to question the narrative because it history has shown if we don't and we don't keep our uh you know our radar up then tyranny will step in and and it and yeah. many outside observers would would say that is exactly exactly what is happening so on that note brother just okay. uh massive massive thank you um Spud, thank you. you're always welcome back on the show again it's been fascinating to hear about the 50th missile regiment of which i had i had no clue about it's oh. great to chat to an awake veteran yeah and um oh, yeah. right and to our friends out there if you could like and subscribe that would be wonderful click the notification bell because we're gonna have a lot lots more of these chats uh it's it's always good chatting to awake veterans i i always think that's a a massive positive and uh massive love to you all and we'll see you soon thanks chris friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share and don't forget to follow me on social media username chris thrall instagram chris dot thrall Thank you.